So think for a second. Think about coming into business nearly 53 years ago. What did that look like? What were the resources? What was social media? How did you get the word out to your audience? Well, for David, this was a true reality as he remembers his entrepreneurial journey really starting as early as age 11. Even being in the UK, he still recognized that there were multiple problems around performance, around profitability, around recruitment, around attainment. So much so that these problems still exist today. And even over a 15 year period, David was able to become the world's leading, yes, world's leading chief executive mentor. But how was he able to do that? How has he been able to bring in so many business owners, entrepreneurs, organizations, and ultimately help them discover and transform into their best selves? Because those are two things that are part of their two-step program here. And what did David say as a leader of an organization? What is the one thing that you must have? It's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Well, I won't spoil the surprise. I'll let him do all of that in this episode and hopefully be a resource to you just the same. So without further ado, enjoy episode 156, Mentorship Matters. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Down to Business podcast here with Tamar Turner. So I'm sitting down with none other than David C.M. Carter today. And first and foremost, I just have to thank him. Thank him because sometimes in the the mix of scheduling things, in the mix of me on my end, just getting everything together, I get a little overwhelmed. I have things going on. I get a little confused, miscommunication, everything. So David was someone who stuck through just in some rescheduling conflicts that I had. And I'm always appreciative of that because if somebody who prides themselves on just time, timeliness, not having my time wasted. I hate when it has to happen on the other end. And nonetheless, he agreed to do this with me. Not everybody after what had happened would always be, you know, just so still just excited and still just emphatic to be able to do this. So very excited that he's able to sit down with me. Um, and especially with the time zone difference, because David actually is based in the UK. So big shout out to everyone tapping in from his side. So David, before we get into all things interview related, um, how you doing today? How's everything on your end? I know it's afternoon over there. It's morning on my side. So how you feeling? I'm very well, thank you. I live in the most beautiful part of England and the temperature is 30 degrees today. So enjoying a nice warm summer afternoon. I like that. I like that. Okay. Well, well, greetings from the UK, greetings from England, all tapping in from there. So one, as I just stated, I know we're going to have some people from your side. I know we're going to have some people from my side. And I know the most beautiful thing, we're going to have some newcomers along the way, some people tapping in with both of us for the very first time. So can you one, just tell us a little bit about yourself? And then can you two, just tell us what brings you on the Down to Business podcast today? Um. Gosh, well, um, I'm 64 and I started my first business when I was 11. So I'm not sure if we've got time enough to go through all of that long, long history. Um, but I'd certainly like to talk about my current uh, venture, Entelechy Academy, and certainly give a bit of background on my past as well. But um, I liked the um, what I read about your podcast in terms of it's for entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs telling their stories, um, because all entrepreneurs really love getting together with other people who've been through similar stories to them and they can learn from other people's challenges and hopefully avoid them for themselves. I love it. And believe me, my long career, I've had plenty of train wrecks and crashes and 
disasters that I've had to pick myself up and dust myself down from and get back on the horse and carry on the journey. Um, and one of the things that I uh, noted in one of my businesses, which I had for 15 years, which was mentoring CEOs around the world, that all of those famous CEOs who were our mentors and our clients, they never bragged about their successes. They always talked about their war stories and how they'd overcome those challenges. And so it was always very refreshing to realize that no one gets to the top without uh, lots of ups and downs on the journey to get there. Absolutely love to hear that. And, you know, just to one, just put it in perspective, starting your first business at 11, 53 years ago, one, you don't look 64. So whatever you're doing over there, I, I might need to come over there and, and get with you and talk about that. But nonetheless, just to even hear you being at a different stage, you being at a different place in that journey, but still going through the same thing, still having those, like you said, those ups and downs, those points where you probably wake up and didn't want to do this necessarily or didn't really know where to go or the business wasn't bringing in the revenue that you were really hoping for. So I guess something that I want to touch on first, is just because you are in a different location. I feel like a lot of my audience, while being United States based, really only gets that experience or really only hears from that. So I guess in talking to a lot of the entrepreneurs that I have, being whether I talk to people in the Bay Area, in the West Coast, in California, or whether I talk to a lot of people here on the East Coast, I feel like there have been some outlying factors of how people have felt it's definitely been a great collaborative space, depending on what industry that you're in. People are just willing to help, willing to offer resources, willing to offer even themselves. Do you feel that, you know, it's the same and, and everything is true over in England. Do you feel like entrepreneurs, one, there's like a creative and collaborative energy in a circle. Do you feel like everybody out there is just willing to help one another, willing to partner with one another? There are a lot of just different people who will reach out to you, extend themselves, offer them as resources, or do you feel like it's industry specific? Do you feel like certain industries are like closed off and private and they gatekeep things? Or do you feel like honestly, it's one big community when you're in that business ownership and entrepreneurial space? Um, I have set up a business in the States um, uh, 15 years or so ago, maybe longer, um, uh, which I had for 11 years. Um, and our UK business, uh, UK based business, you know, we're expanding all around the world. And we certainly we're launching um, with a partner in America on the 1st of August. So we're coming to a town near you very soon. Um, I think that the UK has done a very good job over the last 20, 30 years since Margaret Thatcher was prime minister in creating a series of ecosystems to support early stage startup businesses and founders from everything from advice to access to finance, to tax breaks for investors. <clears throat> so I think, you know, by and large, we're probably a very well advanced and mature incubator for entrepreneurs in, in the UK. And, you know, we've got regional funds and sector specific funds. And so I think, and there's lots and lots of membership organizations where you can go and meet other founders in other industries or the same kind of area as you. Um, we have lots of events where uh, you can go as like a new ed tech company or a new HR tech company or a new Bitcoin company or whatever, and meet with other founders and investors and government support agencies. So I think that in the last 25 years, 
it's it's made it easier to be an entrepreneur uh, than it was when I started out. But having said that, um, still, you know, 18 out of 20 new businesses fail within the first three years. Um, and so I wonder if the two out of 20 that survive haven't actually got the same components this year as they did 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, there's no doubt that, I mean, in the last two or three years, we've raised a lot of money from angel investors. And there are now pretty sophisticated angel investor platforms that you upload your you know, investment opportunity. And there's thousands of people who are interested in making angel investments. Um, and so there's lots, whereas, you know, 30 years ago, it was you asked your parents, friends and their friends and then other people and you knocked on doors and a lot of cold calling. And so it, it is easier. But, you know, I read a report yesterday, and I'm sure the same applies in the US, that if you compare the first quarter of 2023 with the first quarter of 2019, so four years apart, there are three times as many companies looking to raise money from angel investors. They're looking for twice the amount that they were looking for, but there's only 20% of the funds available this quarter compared to four years ago. And 80% of that is being allocated to propping up existing investments rather than making new investments. So the ratio of new fresh money today that can go into a startup compared to four years ago, it's like two and a half percent. Um, so it's really, really hard to raise money now from angel investors, really, really hard, harder than it's ever been in my life. <clears throat> and there's a lot of deals chasing a limited supply of money. And so the basics absolutely still have to apply. You've got to have a great team. You've got to have a great idea. You've got to have product market fit. You've got to have demand for your product or service at the price that you think will make it viable. Um, you've got to have a vision, a mission, a purpose, a strategy, all those things that have always applied. Um, and, you know, a few days ago, I was chatting to Amy, our COO, um, who worked with me in a previous business, and <clears throat> we were celebrating a, a milestone of, of the investment funds we'd raised. But I said to you, you know, if you look at this document, which is the very first document we wrote three years ago, our business looks next to nothing like what how we were presenting it then. Um, but, you know, the ideas got better and better and more and more polished and, and more and more traction and more and more momentum. And because of COVID in particular, we had to pivot the business, you know, maybe not 180 degrees, but certainly 90 degrees. And, and um, but I think the fundamentals, have I got a brilliant team of people who can execute this plan? Have we got the right strategy? Have we got the right go to market? All of those things still apply. And over the last year, I've participated in 
half a dozen um, pitching events to investors where maybe there'd been eight or nine or ten companies pitching. And I've decided, even though I my slot was from 10.30 to 11 or something, I've decided to sit in for two hours and see what the competition is, you know. Uh, and they were pitching very, very different businesses to ours and different to each other. But it was really shocking how poor the quality was of the average presentation. Um, and I think, you know, as I said earlier on, I'm 64. I've done a number of startups over the years. I've exited a number very successfully, including one where I floated it on the stock exchange. So I've got a lot of experience. Um, and but we've had to also be very agile over the last few years with COVID. But um, I remember a few weeks ago sitting in on one of these pitch events thinking, if you raise a dollar, I am going to be shocked. This is such a lousy presentation, bad idea, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but you can't stop the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but, you know, I was looking thinking, well, you guys are going to be... 18 out of the 20 that fail, sadly. But, uh, but you know, I don't believe in the concept of failure. Um, my mother taught me a very important phrase when I was growing up, <clears throat> that failure isn't falling down, failure is staying down. And that's always stuck with me. And um, it, it, you know, you just... On, on, real, true entrepreneurs never give up. Um, like the guy who had to do 5,000 experiments to figure out how to make a light bulb work, you know. Most people would have given up after 100 or 200 or 1,000, but he carried on. And he actually said, no, I didn't fail once. I just learned how not to do it. Um, and, of course, when he got to his 5,000th experiment, bingo, it worked. And um, And... So I think you have to have resilience. I think you have to have stamina. You have to have courage. You have to have um, vision. You have to have the character quality of being um, communicative and, um, and expressive. You know, one of my old bosses many, many years ago, when I was in venture capital myself, um, he never used to read, you know, the business plan. He always wanted to meet the people and he used to say, back the man, not the plan. You know, we can all write a 20-page document that can be amazing, but what you got to figure out, because the plan won't work exactly how they've said it will, how will this leader, how will that team pivot, adjust, have they got the stamina, the resilience, the perseverance and all those other important character qualities. So I think that um, it's really tough. It's a lot tougher than it's been. We're going to see more failures than we've ever seen before. Um, and those who succeed, you know, I think it was Reid Hoffman from LinkedIn had a great quote many years ago. He said, you know, if a year after you've launched, you look back at your MVP and you're not truly embarrassed by it, it just meant that you launched too late. 
In other words, get it out the door, get it into the hands of users and customers and let them tell you, oh, we like this. Can we have a bit more of that? We're not too sure about this. And this sucks. And so change that. And uh, But if overall um, they like the intention, they will give you some flexibility for a year or so, knowing that your intentions are good and you're trying to solve a real problem for them and you're collaborating with them to make it even better. Um, and so even if a year later it doesn't look anything like it started out looking like, that's not failure, that's success. And the fact that you got something out the door on time and on budget is is still a success, even if it wasn't that great. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't, I really resist uh, concepts like, success and failure as if it can all be defined so easily. I think it's a lot more nuanced and complex than that. Absolutely. I think it, I think it's so much subjection that comes with that. And just really, it depends on who you ask. It depends on from what perspective, what stage, what phase, where they are. Because even what you spoke about in the beginning of your answer about those numbers, those numbers are, are fascinating just from the difference in 2019 to now 2023 and how that's even had to change the flexibility of people. And I'll even go on to add that as a characteristic that you said that business owners, entrepreneurs need to have because you can't operate the same way you were operating four years ago, 10 years ago, eight years ago, everything like that. And so it even makes me think too, and be um, that much more, I have to commend those people who were really starting businesses back when you were just because you guys didn't have all the resources, you guys didn't have social media nearly as prominent as it is. All these different sites, all these, all this different automation. A lot of it was really having to listen for the first thirty years after I started my first business. We didn't have the internet, we didn't have mobile phones, websites. So it was, it was, it was, you know, a, a, a tablet and a, and a chisel. But anyway, but um, I, w I want to talk about two things that are going on in the world uh, right now that I think every entrepreneur and every business needs to wake up to urgently. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're interlinked. Um, I want to talk about two things, the global costly talent and skills crisis. And the second thing is I want to talk about AI. Is that okay? I'll go with me, yeah. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking about the USA, Europe, the UK, India, Japan. It doesn't matter where we're talking about. And we have relationships all around the world. Every employer has got the same challenges and issues with their workforce. And bearing in mind in lots and lots of places around the world, the average employee um, or at least 50% of the workforce, is a millennial or, or a Gen Z. And over the course of the last 40, 50 years, the emphasis in education has been get good grades, get into a good college or university, get a good degree, and then you get a good job. And the emphasis has been on STEM subjects. And... So people are turning up to work with high levels of technical skills, but they've got zero work-ready skills. They're not organized, disciplined, reliable, efficient, uh, accountable, responsible, collaborative, communicative. <clears throat> and they lack, and, and employers have been going, 
they got all these technical skills, but they just don't know how to fit in the workplace. Um, and so that's an issue all around the world. And if this AI thing gets as out of hand as everybody's predicting, where essentially what they're saying is that over the next, I mean, British Telecom, this is a, a true example, 10 days ago, it's 110,000 employees in the UK, all of the, you know, the tele, te telephone and broadband infrastructure in the UK. They said they're a FTSE 100 company. They have 110,000 employees. And by 2030, that's only seven years away, they will have reduced their workforce by 50% and the 50% they're replacing will be replaced by AI. And so unless you've got the human skills that employers want to need, not just the technical skills, you will be replaced by a robot, according to British Telecom. And so employers, I mean, we've got a ridiculous situation in the UK at the moment where we've got almost full employment, record low levels of unemployment, but there's 1.3 million job vacancies. Um, and the job vacancies need a combination of human skills and technical skills. And people have got the technical skills, but not the human skills. So we're actually using AI to develop HI or human intelligence. We're actually using AI for a proper purpose to enhance people's ability to develop those human skills they're going to need in the workplace, which will give them a competitive edge. And what we're essentially our proposition uh, is to help companies become a company of character and for their workforce to develop those 54 character qualities that underpin the development of all skills, hard skills, technical skills, soft skills, which they were never taught at college or at university. And um, we do that. Um, it's a two phase program. The first phase is called Discover. It lasts about two months. And it generates 15.7 million data points on the company's employee character competence. It's like the richest set of data anyone's ever seen on their workforce. And the individual knows how they see themselves in terms of their character quality, strengths and growth opportunities, how 10 of their colleagues see them and their line manager, how that matches against the, how the whole company sees itself now and in the future. And, and we create a personalized learning journey for every single individual through an AI coach um, enhanced app to take them on a journey to get them from where they are to where they and the company want them to get to over the next 12 months, which is our Transform program, which is a 12-month program. There is absolutely nothing like it. It's um, scalable immediately into America. And as I said earlier, we're working with a, a great company called BDev Ventures in America who are launching us in a, into America in, in August. And so all American companies who are suffering from this talent and skills crisis, we've come up with the solution to help their workforce get those work-ready skills that they know they don't have, the absence of which is costing them hugely in terms of their performance and productivity and profitability. Um, and AI, everybody's talking about AI. You know, if you're raising money at the moment, you haven't got an AI strategy, investors will just walk the other way. Um, 
and we are going to use AI to enhance the learner experiences development of their human intelligence. Um, but over the next 10 years, you know, people need to realize if a job can be done by a robot or a transhuman, it will be. And so you better have the skills that a robot hasn't got and can't ever get in order to continue your employment. And, and people are going to need to constantly upskill themselves, retrain themselves and, and be a lifelong learner because, you know, maybe your parents' generation, certainly your grandparents' generation, they could have joined a company uh, after college and been there for their entire career and then retired and got their pension. I mean, a job for life with lots of companies. Whereas now, you know, my children and, and people, you know, millennials, they're not going to retire till they're 70 or 75. And they're probably going to have 10 jobs or 10 careers in that period of time. And each one is going to require an evolution of their human capabilities um, in order to be relevant in an ever-changing world. So I think that the global skills and talent crisis, which in the UK costs the economy £22 billion a year, um, and neither the government nor the Confederation of British Industry have come up with a solution um, and this affects every industry from you know, manufacturing to marketing to transport to trade. It, it affects every single industry. And so anybody who's leading an organization today needs to have a talent strategy. People are finding it much harder to retain people, uh, much harder to recruit people. And you've got to have a, a, a skills and talent understanding of what your workforce has got and what you need it to have and recruit and retain accordingly and you need to think about how you can develop your people using ai in harmony with ai not necessarily to be replaced by ai although some some careers will be i think that very last point was was like the the home run too because i i think a lot of times when people hear this talk of AI and just everything that's going on, they're trying to work to replace it and not, like you said, in harmony with it, not to say, and it, it's crazy just because like naturally when you hear that something is going to take over, when you hear that something is going to replace a lot of things, or when you hear that something is just ever changing, but immersing itself in your industry, you naturally do have that just as a human being, you just have that opposition approach to it. Whereas if you learn to what, what can AI do for me, but also what can I do just the same that AI doesn't have? Like you said, there are some skills that humans have that AI is just not going to be able to develop. But are we just going to become comfortable and complacent with these skills? Or are we also going to touch on your point about being a lifelong learner, being flexible, being able to adjust and adapt? Because, yeah, to hear that company that over 110,000 employees, to hear that in seven years, like you said, that'll be reduced by 50 percent. That's insane. you know. And that's only seven years. Like, look at how fast life has gone just these last four or five years to think seven more that'll be here before we know it essentially. But to really see just this, I would say just this alert that AI has people on, it's been very interesting, industry specific versus just world specific. So I think you touch on and you hit on some very interesting things that are happening around us that are gonna be happening around us. And we can't just continue to be 
I guess, naive to it or blind to it in a sense, it's happening. It's taking over industries. We're seeing layoffs. We're seeing performance. We're seeing numbers. We're seeing everything of the sort. And you've even provided a lot of numbers today on things that are going on over there. So who's to say that when you really look into even the United States or even just in other parts of the world or the country, how it's really taken over, how it's really, as I said, immersing itself into these cultures. So I think about a lot of things that you're doing with IntelliKey Academy. And the biggest word that comes to mind, even when I was reading through just your website, the bio and everything is mentorship and just really giving people the guide, those resources, even sometimes mapping out or laying out a blueprint for what they may be wanting to do or what they may be trying to do. So is it safe to say that for you, for what you think, for what you believe and for why you really got this start to this business is mentorship when it comes to business ownership, when it comes to entrepreneurship, is mentorship very at the top of scale for you? Is that something that you feel like without it, without having a true mentor, without having somebody to look up to or even emulate businesses often become that 18 of 20 that really don't do well within those one to three years? Do you feel like it's more in addition to that or do you feel like that will really knock off a lot of the things for you along the way of this journey? Um. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. I have been blessed in my career, my early career, with um, three individuals who were my boss and an amazing mentor. Um, and as you may have read in my bio, um, I, over a 15-year period, built up what eventually became the world's leading chief executive mentoring company. And... Uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's really still valid anymore, but I was known for many years as the world's leading chief executive mentor. So, of course, mentoring is in my blood. It's it's something I passionately believe in. But, of course, mentoring at the level that I did it at was at that stratospherically high level. Uh, it was extremely expensive and it was only for a small number, you know, for the CEO of a business. And about probably six, seven years ago, I was frustrated because I knew that the work we were doing with a small number of expensive fee-paying people in the C-suite, if we could get it distributed and democratized into the whole workforce, we could dramatically improve the performance and profitability of the whole organization. And that's got me thinking about, okay, so what is the model? Uh, what's the business model for how to democratize this? And Entelechy absolutely is the my legacy project, and it is absolutely able to democratize what we did for a small number of people, for millions and millions of people around the world. And we use AI to, uh, to build an AI coach in our app, uh, and which performs a number. The AI does three things in particular. Um, and it's a coach, not a mentor. And we can get into the distinction between the coach and the mentor. But using machine learning also about how other members of the community benefit from the ideas that the coach gives them that they then try out and work, we can start to say, oh, well, other people who encountered this problem, who tried this, achieve these outcomes. Um, and so it shifts from a coach who typically doesn't tell you what to do and suggests to you ways that you could you know, move forward yourself to a mentor who often says, go and try that route. 
so we can weave that in. So um, we want to make this mentorship available to anybody, anywhere, with access to a you know a mobile phone, and that's what the gift of Intellic is going to be. But also, it is our entire app is based on how do I develop into day-to-day activities, behaviours, these 54 character qualities. So, you know, it's ring-fenced. It's not going to tell you how to um, come up with a new formula for E equals MC squared and the theory of relativity, but it will help you develop any of these 54 character qualities. Um, But I also think what it does is it creates communities within an organisation Oh, who else is working on being more collaborative? Oh, I can see John and Harry and Sarah are. Oh, let me go and talk to them. What's working for you? And so it creates internal mentorship as well and through collaboration and communication. Um, And people like to learn with other people. And I think that this might sound the most stupid, silly thing, but it's really dramatically important. So. I was chatting a few weeks ago to the CEO of the world's biggest management consultancy firm um, who do change management. It is a multi, multi multi-billion dollar global business, operations all around the world. And he told me, we've sent everyone in our entire firm uh, over the last three years on a time management course that costs $2,880 per person. And he said, you know, the truth, David, is that our time management skills haven't improved at all. And um, and he said, I don't understand it because 95% of the people who went on the course scored 95% in the quiz at the end of the course. I, I just don't understand it. I said, aha. Well, first of all, that quiz was assessing what they were taught, not what they've learned and applied. You know, if I read the theory of relativity you know, paper an hour before this interview and the first question you ask me is, so tell me your understanding of the theory of relativity, David. I can tell you exactly what I learned in the previous hour. And you're like, wow, this guy knows such a lot about the theory of relativity. A week later, if you ask me the same question, I go, oh, do you know, how, sorry, it's a week since I read that paper. I don't really remember what it said but I certainly won't have applied any of it. So I said, first of all, you're assessing what is taught, not applied. And what we do is agree with someone, you know, which character quality they want to work on. And then over the next two or three months, we help them work on it. They collect third party evidence that they have now mastered that skill. Then they go for an assessment, which includes the third party. Now they've got all of this evidence that they're good at that. So they've really learned it. But, you know, the real secret source inside Intelliki is we've helped them learn how to learn. And they can learn anything. And and, and I'm sorry, there's a long answer to your question. But one of the real challenges that employers are really dealing with in the real world is that young people turn up from college or university and They've been taught everything and they were assessed on what they were taught. It doesn't mean they've actually learned anything. It just means they've remembered what they were told, could regurgitate it in an exam, got a pass. And, you know, how much do any of us remember from our, you know, 
when we were 15 from our geography class or our history class or maths class or any, any class. Oh, I don't. Um, and But what IntelliKey is doing is getting people to learn how to master these 54 character qualities in the flow of life, in the flow of work, getting instant feedback from their colleagues who've agreed to be their mentors, if you like, in the, in the 360 panel. And so you really learn. Now, if, let's say, for example, <clears throat> I, I'll tell you a true life story. When I was about 12, I have two younger sisters. And for whatever reason, I don't remember, but my mother said to me one day, you know, you really need to learn to be more gentlemanly, David. I was like, oh, how do I do that? And she said, well, go and ask your father. He's very gentlemanly. So I went and asked my dad. And his answer, to paraphrase an American saying is, will you fake it till you make it? And he said, well, you know, you're at the train station and you can see a lady with a pushchair who needs help putting the pushchair on the train or up the stairs to the, you know, to the platform. And so you offer to go and help or you see an old lady crossing the road and so you stop the traffic and help her across the road. And I was like, oh, is that it? And he goes, yes, and you know. And so for the next three months, every time I saw a lady at a train station with a pushchair or old person crossing the road with a shopping bag or whatever, I did it. And the joy that you get from people saying, oh, what a nice young man you are. Thank you so much. That was very kind and considerate of you. And you feel good about yourself. But I promise you, after six months, you don't think about it. It just becomes automatic. And even to this day, you know, in 2023, I still open doors for ladies and I still do this and I still do that. And the other day I was in a food sh uh, shop uh, near where I live and I opened the door and helped someone carry their shopping. And she must have been in her late 80s. And she said, thank you so much, young man. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> but the point of that story is you learn how to learn by doing things and getting feedback and then eventually mastering it. And the beauty of the design of our learning journey is you learn how to learn. You learn to learn how to be organized. Then you learn to learn how to be disciplined. Then you learn to learn how to be accountable or analytical or confident or whatever the character quality is. But after a period of time, when you've been through our explore, act, reflect, repeat, loop several times. You just know, right, okay, now I'm going to move on to this one. I know how to do it. And and, and that whole mindset of I'm now a self-directed learner gives agency over my own life to me. And, and it helps people who've only ever been taught to teach themselves how to learn. And that's the real gift of, of the design of our program, as well as the fact that they are learning in the flow of life, in the flow of work, these all-important character qualities that are something a computer, a robot can never do, that is going to give them a competitive edge over other people applying for the same job, or if a whole company does it, your company will have a competitive edge over any other company in your sector because you're developing your human potential to its entelechy. You know, the entelechy of a person is the ultimate version of that person with all of their potential fully actualized. It is a word that comes from Aristotle. 
And he also coined another phrase that character determines destiny. And what he meant by that was we all end up in life wherever we end up as a direct function of our character. So if your company is number six in the league table of companies in your sector and you're half as big as the biggest, you can get to be the biggest, I, I truly believe, only by developing the character competence of your entire organisation. And it will be that that helps you raise more money, hire better people, retain the right people, uh, surprise and delight your customers. That's the way to go. Your character will determine your destiny. Wow. I, I love the one. I love that answer, of course, but I love the intricacies just that come with this program, because as you really mentioned college and university and just even schooling that we've had early on, I, I immediately resonated with that and how I feel as though a lot of these professors, a lot of these teachers, a lot of these doctors, like they don't really meet you where you are in a sense. They meet everyone in one generic spot and they give you the information and they pretty much tell you to do with it what you may. However you learn, if you're a visual learner, if you're hands-on, if you're auditory, take that and just run with it. Whereas I feel like this program now and really breaking it down, it meets you where you are, but it stays with you. And it stays with you until, like you said, you get through that loop and you really realize what you're doing, what you're learning. Because like a lot of those um, electives that we took, a lot of even classes for my major, no, I, I couldn't recall a single thing. I remember just having to wake up, having to submit an assignment, having to do this, having to do that, having to maybe even cram some chapters, read some things online, go to some websites, figure some stuff out. But did I ultimately learn that to apply it or just learn it to be able to regurgitate it? And I think there's such a big difference there. And that's why so much information gets lost in translation because you just can't. But with this program, it really allows you to learn. And it's very intentional. Yeah, and, and, and it's very and let, let, let me give you a really controversial objection that we've had about this program from maybe a third of the people we've pitched it to. Two thirds of them think we're enlightened and the other third who are the dinosaurs don't get it. And so I was in a pitch a few weeks ago and there were half a dozen people from this company, big old traditional well-known British company. And uh, they were like, okay, so what's the content that you give to the learner? So I said, before I answer the question, um, is there a character, because we had them all up on the wall, uh, that you'd all agree that, your life would be better at home, at work, if you were better at it. And it took two or three minutes of conversation and they all came to the conclusion their life would be better if they were kinder, more kind. And which was a great one to choose. So uh, there were three men and three women in the, in the room plus myself. So I said... I'd like you to write down and not share it with anybody else. The one thing you could do when you walk out this meeting and for the rest of the day, be more kind. Write it down. And then I got them to share. And the ideas that they came up with were as different as chalk and cheese. You know, they were just so diverse. So I said, so... If we posted Sophie's answer as the content, it wouldn't work for any of you. If we posted Harry's content, it definitely wouldn't work for Sophie, would it? No. So the whole point is you've figured out 
what you would need to do to be more kind, and we help you figure that out. So effectively, you're creating your own content, and that's how you're learning to learn. If we give you content, it's like when you were at college in doing your major and you were given some knowledge, it, you, you regurgitated it and passed your exam, but it didn't mean you learned anything. Whereas actually um, what we've done by designing it this way is help you figure out, well, I want to be more kind today by doing this, this and this. And it works. Someone else does something completely different and someone else... At the end of a month, you've all collected third-party validated evidence that you're now a lot more kind. But what we get you all to do is to post your content in the community forum. Oh, I tried this and it worked. I tried this and it worked. I tried this and it didn't work. So I course corrected and tried this and it did work. Now I go into the community forum section. What are my colleagues doing to be more kind? And each video is a maximum of 30 seconds. And I've got 50 different examples of how my, oh, I'd never thought of that idea. That's a good one. I can copy that. And so there is content, but it's it's content not in the classroom sense of here's an expert telling you how to be more kind. It's your colleagues telling you what they did and work for them to be more kind and you can copy it. And then you post your own. I love it because even to your previous point too, people love to learn together. It's almost like an accountability thing yeah. in a sense, or like you're you're more willing, more prone to do something if you know you have someone else or if you know you're within a group of people than even solo. I feel like it even enhances that experience too, because when you see differences in opinions, but nonetheless still going towards the same goal, it's like, okay, well, yes, I can be right. Sarah can be right. John can be right. And we can all be right together, but still be in three totally different lanes. So I do also love how it can bring that community aspect too, because you also realize that this is not a problem just plaguing a sole individual. This can be something that is across the board. It, it can be in the UK. It can be in the United States. It can be anywhere else across the world. But it's essentially all the principles, all the matter that comes together, it remains the same. So something that you touched on earlier, too, was more so about developing as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as the as a startup founder, anything of the sort of also developing your employees, developing those around you, ensuring that in order to breed the best, you, you you have the best in the sense where you train them in the best way. So when it came to you on your side, building your team, corralling um, what is now IntelliKey Academy, were there any things that you were focusing on and who you were bringing in? I know you mentioned talking to your COO earlier. When it came to these just this business and building this academy, were you looking for certain characteristics of people? Were these people already in your circle and you kind of just brought them together with these like-minded individuals? Essentially, how did you come to build this academy to be what it is right um, now? I'm not going to share it with you on the screen, but I, I've got a document that was open earlier on where every role description, we're looking for a senior client partner and, and uh, my, one of my colleagues has written the job description he sent for me uh, to send off to someone I know. Um, Optimal character qualities for success in the role, strategic, influential, wise, excellent, assertive, and visionary. So we even put the character qualities that you need to succeed in our business in every single role description. Every Monday, we have a whole team coaching session and you say, this is the character quality I'm working on in my personal life and here's the one I'm working on in the company. Um, and, you know, 
nobody needs a personal coach to get fit. But people hire one because you have that accountability to turn up on, you know, for, for the thing. And um, I, I'm, they have Weight Watchers in the US. I'm sure they do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hugely successful, yeah. I'm sure. And, you know, you don't need to go to Weight Watchers to lose weight. You just need to stop eating. But the reason people go for the weekly check-in and everyone stands on the scales and gets weighed is because there's 20 other women who are their accountability buddies. And so we built that accountability in. And so everybody is hired based on character qualities. Everybody is developed based on character qualities. We've all got personal and professional ones we're working on, including me. And I have to give credit to Amy, our chief operating officer, because she's devised and designed that whole, how do we keep growing as a, you know, we are the company of character company, but we, we deploy all of the tools and techniques that we give to our customers on ourselves. Well, big, big shout out to Amy, yes. big shout out to everything that IntelliKey is and, and will do. So, and something that we love to do here and something that you even kind of foreshadowed and, and told us about was really what you guys are looking to do, the direction that you're looking to move in the industry, how you're looking to essentially be for everyone and how you went from helping these high profile individuals to now you want to disperse that amongst everybody is for the people tapping in for the first time. I know we're going to have some people from my network who, who love this idea, who even want to implement it in their own business ventures and everything of the sort. Is there anything that we can even more so look forward to as the year progresses as the future comes as years things are is there anything that IntelliKey is thinking about branching off into experiments and with for what you can disclose we don't want to spoil any surprises or ruin any secrets or anything but anything that you guys are thinking about in the near future of tapping into um well we're definitely going to come to a town near you in the u.s over the next 12 months um and you can already go to our website www.entelliKey.academy you can do a free company character audit to start you on the journey and if that looks interesting book in a call and we'll then talk about doing the discover program with you it's only 50 dollars per person to get 15.7 million data points on your entire organization um it's a lot cheaper than a personality profile which tells you you know what you're like but doesn't tell you what to do with it whereas we actually give you the learning journey um and you know We've all read and heard a lot about the Great Reset in 2030 and central bank digital currencies and, you know, one world governments and all the rest of it. I'm absolutely determined that by 2030, we will have used artificial intelligence to raise human intelligence to such a level that that dystopian future that's being described for the world never happens. Um, and so... As I said earlier, all of your listeners' companies will have this talent and skills crisis, and there is a solution that we can help them with. Uh, it's really good value for money. It's all can be done remotely or in person. There's different packages that we can talk to people about. Um, but you know, certainly check out our website. Um, follow us on LinkedIn and Telekey Academy on LinkedIn. That's where all our news updates and everything go. Um, and I think the honest answer for the next 12 months, apart from a gigantic strategic partnership we're working on in India with a company with 250,000 employees, um, we 
we will be coming to America after we soft launch in August. Um, but, you know, today, I mean, there are 20 of us who work for Intelligy in the UK and, and, and we live in 19 different counties, you know, around the UK. Uh, there's only two of us who live in, in this county. We're a completely virtual remote company. We can operate like you, you're in the East Coast. I'm in the UK. We're doing a podcast together. It's like you can do anything anywhere around the world these days. Um, and so it is the world's character. It is company's character. It's company's character, country's character that is going to determine all of our futures. And so the more we can wake people up and help them to become more better at critical thinking and be curious and and think about the future and how they can adapt and adjust to make sure they fit in and can contribute in a meaningful way that's what our legacy is all about i love that and i love the fact that you keep letting us know that you're coming towards it so we're looking forward to it i'm gonna make sure everybody is ready for it and we're definitely going to be tapping in but no best of luck to you obviously with everything that you guys had moving forward i love the idea of just this flexibility and like you said being so scattered around but nonetheless the impact is felt just the same so before we i know you just kind of gave it but i always love to end the episodes with kind of telling everybody where they can find you website and socials but before we get to that do you feel like there's anything that we haven't touched on today any even last words that you want to lead for business owners, entrepreneurs, creatives, anybody who may come across this episode tapping in and listening in? I think the two big pieces of advice we covered is like, it's the character of your organization that's going to determine your destiny. You've got a talent and skills crisis that you're already dealing with. It's going to get worse. So be on the front foot, not on the back foot. And... Um, and yeah, think about the positive uses of AI and the potentially negative uses and make sure that you've got humans who can do things that only a human can do um, because those will be around forever. Um, and, and celebrate humans and develop humans because ultimately um, in 2030, I want the world to be peaceful. Going back to something you were saying earlier on, sorry, I did have another thought, which is, you know, um, and I, not that I will have a vote in it, but I love Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's been one of my heroes for many years and I've followed him on Children's Health Defense and various other programs. I listened to his Joe Rogan interview with... Uh, with Robert Kennedy Jr. the other day, three-hour interview. That should be it mandated viewing for every American uh, because he talks so much sense, so honestly. And at the end of the day, he was asked about the Ukraine-Russia um, situation. And he said, you know, I've got to go and sit down with Putin and say, what's on your mind? Tell me how you see this. You know, tell me the, your worldview. And I'll probably end up going, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that before, that that was your worldview. And, and because at the end of the day, we've got to find something that works for Russia and works for the West, so we can all live in peace and we can all live in harmony and we can sell to them and they can sell to us and we can go on holiday there and they can come on holiday. And all of that is about reconciliation. It's about, 
um, communication, collaboration, and we've got the only way we're going to avoid wars is through collaboration and communication and empathy and compassion. And these are character qualities that a robot and a human can never learn. So we need we need to raise our consciousness okay. globally, and we can only do that through developing our character. I'm, and I'm going to have to look into that interview because I'm a big fan of um, a lot of Rogan's interviews, but I didn't know that they sat down for, let alone for three hours. So I'm going to, and the fact that you're mandating it means that, yeah, it's it's some good information there. So I'm definitely going to tap into that. But no, honestly, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of one, what you guys are doing, but just of a lot of the perspective and a lot of the insight that you gave today and just a lot of how we can really get with the times. And it doesn't have to be opposition. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be us putting more on ourselves, but rather just working in harmony. So last but certainly not least, I know you already kind of dropped it for us, but for everybody out there tapping in, for everybody on my live, on my side, the viewers, the listeners, the audio, everybody, can you just give us your website, the social media, the best places to reach you, best places to reach IntelliKey and keep Thank up you. everything that um, you guys are doing? Website is www.entelliki.academy. Um, It'll be in the show notes, I'm sure, afterwards. Um Please also follow Intelliki Academy on LinkedIn because that's where we publish all of our news, updates, blogs, white papers, everything else as well. And if anybody would like to get in contact with me personally, go to LinkedIn, check out David C.M. Carter. And I'm pretty sure I'm the only one with those names and initials in the world. So be delighted um, to connect with any of your listeners and viewers through LinkedIn. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you so much for the time. As I said in the beginning, thank you for just working through me with my my rescheduling and everything on my side. But this was this was brilliant. I'm definitely very happy that we were able to connect, make this happen and just hear about everything one that's going on on your end, but how you're merging it over here and just all the work and everything that's getting done far and few and in between. So to everybody tapping in on your side, on my side, everybody on the live, everybody who's coming new new coming one welcome but one thank you all thank you just for the time for the support i love you all and this has been another episode of the down to business podcast here with tamar turner